0: From San Francisco, California, with your host, Ben Kaspic. This is Locked On Giants Baseball. Welcome back to Locked On Giants Baseball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspic, and I'm thrilled to be with you again today. On this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, approximately 15 minutes in length, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also insightful and easily digestible, easy for everyone to understand. Coming up on today's show, I want to talk about what we can expect realistically from the 2020 Giants based on the projections that we have and that we can adjust those team projections if we choose to adjust the individual player projections. So I think a lot of the time we just kind of guess what a team's record is going to be, or we look at the previous season and then just like subtract out the players that they lost. It's really not that simple of an equation. A lot of times there's a misunderstanding of how wins above replacement works. So we'll say, okay, the Giants won 77 games last season. Take out Madison Baumgartner and his three wins above replacement. And then you've won 74 games. Like that's your projection now for the next season. That is not how it works. So yeah, last season they did finish 77 and 85 with a minus 95 run differential, which had an expected win-loss record of 71 and 91. So that's right there, a perfect illustration as to why you can't just take their actual win total, subtract out a player and what he did the previous season instead of projecting the next season and say that will be their new expected win total. Because last year, their expected win total was actually much worse than their actual win total. So that's just one illustration of why that's a flawed exercise. However, I think there's more reason for optimism than, you know, that expected 71-91 record and that minus 95 run differential. Because on May 31st, the Giants had just lost two out of three to the Miami Marlins, who were the worst team in the National League to fall to 22 and 34 with a minus 89 run differential. So that run differential for the Giants was the worst in the National League. They had an expected win-loss record of 19 and 37 based on that run differential. But what did I just say was the Giants' run differential at the end of the season? Minus 95. So between the beginning of the season and May 31st, their run differential was minus 89. And between June 1st and the end of the season, their run differential was minus 6. So a dramatic improvement in the ratio of runs allowed to runs scored, which is really the name of the game. And June 1st, you know, it's kind of an arbitrary date to just pick. But I do think it it represents a little bit of when the team that ultimately kind of emerged as the Giants started to take shape because this was right around the time when Mike Yastrzemski had his first handful of games. I think he had debuted like a week earlier, and this is when Sean Anderson was starting to make his debut. Tyler Beatty was becoming an, a mainstay in the rotation, and it's a few weeks before they acquired Alex Dickerson. We can't just throw out the first couple months of the season, of course, but there certainly were players in the first couple months of the season who had a negative impact on the team, who ended up not being a part of the team and will not be a part of the team moving forward. So in some respects, we can throw out that first month of performance, but not in all respects. But I do think it's significant that for four months of the year, they played to only a minus six run differential. And more significantly, the last four months of the year, they went 55 and 51, four games over 500 with a run differential that supported a record around 500. So they they outperformed that even in the last 4 months. But still they were nowhere near as bad as they were the first couple of months. So anyway, I think that alone provides a little bit of optimism moving into 2020 that they weren't quite as bad maybe as the taste they left in people's mouths. But anyway, that's all that's all last season. I don't I didn't really want to focus too much on those numbers. The point is what can we expect going into 2020? Because it is obviously a different team. There's no Bumgarner, there's no Smith, there's no vote. Kevin Pilar is still unsigned, but as of now he's not on the Giants. So how do we project what they're going to do in 2020? So I've seen a lot of people talk about how the Giants will be like the worst team in baseball or the worst team in the National League. And I just don't think they're on that level. And last year's last four months kind of suggests that people are a little bit underrating how they improved after a rough first couple of months. So looking ahead to 2020, we can use the simple tool of understanding what a replacement level team would produce and then seeing, okay, how do the Giants project for wins above replacement? And then that's a simple equation to see what their record would be. So a replacement level team would win about 47 games. That's the generally accepted number between 47 and 48 so if we take that figure and then add based on steamer projections for the giants in 2020 their projected wins above replacement we find that the giants should be projected at about 72 and 90 heading into the 2020 season and that's actually right where they were projected entering last season as well but the thing about that projection is that i would take the over on at least one of several of these steamer projections for the Giants plus the offseason is not over and I still think that there's a high likelihood that they're going to add whether via trade or free agency whether it's Castellanos or whether it's Yasiel Puig I think they're going to add a right-handed hitting corner outfielder I just feel like that's the one real obvious missing component to this lineup This spring, follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for Cactus League spring training. Amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, incredible food. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. 10 stadiums, 15 teams, 75-degree temperatures. All 10 stadiums are in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles. Check out amazing restaurants and bars nearby, including tons of craft breweries like Four Peaks, Angel's Trumpet Ale House, and Goldwater Brewing Company. Arizona is known for its incredible landscapes and thrilling outdoor adventures. Hiking, biking, jeep tours, hot air balloons, and skydiving. Or you can just take in a sunset. No matter what you love to do, Arizona has you covered. Bringing the kids along, Arizona is a fantastic destination for families. With family-friendly resorts and hotels that offer plenty of fun for kids of all ages, from water parks to horseback rides to games and activities. We're less than 30 days away from pitchers and catchers reporting to spring training. It's going to be a great time. Head out to Arizona, enjoy all that it has to offer, including baseball in the sunshine in February and March. Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. Want to talk about what we should expect realistically based on numbers record-wise for the Giants in 2020 and... How we can adjust our expectations based on looking at individual player projections. So some guys I might clearly take the over on include Alex Dickerson at 1.1 win above replacement across 465 plate appearances. So that would be a lot of plate appearances for a guy who's never made more than 285 in a major league season. And in fact, in his major league career, he's only batted 483 times. However, I mean, this guy has been healthy in the minors in the past. They're obviously going to limit his workload. I think it's going to be more of a platoon. He's got awesome numbers in his career against righties, but has struggled somewhat against lefties. And that's not a terrible thing. You look at players like Jock Peterson on the Dodgers. He is an absolute monster against righties, but just cannot hit a lick against lefties. And I think if you look at the numbers, Alex Dickerson is like a poor man's Jock Peterson. So... You know, given that the projection is for a 106 weighted runs created plus, I just might take the over on that given how good he was for the Giants when he was on the field last season. So if you can say maybe he gives you a two war season as opposed to one, that's another win to your projected win total. And this is when we can do it because we already have a projection. It's based on these win totals, these wins above replacement for their projected players. So if you add one, you literally just add a win to the projection. Of course, as you adjust for playing time, you need to make sure it all adds up. Can't have, you know, too many projected plate appearances or too many projected innings. That doesn't work either. Another guy is Jalen Davis, projected at .2 wins above replacement in three hundred and three plate appearances. Definitely could be a possibility. He was not good at the major league level in twenty nineteen, but this guy was tremendous in Triple A last season just had one of the best Triple A seasons of anybody in baseball hit 35 home runs with 60 to 75% above average in those leagues between you know the Twins in Triple A and the Giants Triple A team Giants really think he's a breakout candidate in which case you know definitely would take the over on the 0.2 wins above replacement if that transpires so that's another way that you can shave off a couple of losses from that projection potentially if things go right another guy is mike yastrzemski projected at 0.9 wins above replacement in 616 plate appearances this is a guy who put up 2.2 wins above replacement in 411 plate appearances so it's projecting major regression even though there aren't a lot of red flags in what he did last season the reason for it you know he's a 29 year old who was a rookie last season Just not a lot of track record there, and I definitely agree that there's significant risk of regression from Yastrzemski, but this projection, you know, doesn't hold back and says he's really going to come crashing down to earth, but if he doesn't, I mean, he was playing on like a three-win pace, given that he didn't play the full season, and if he did and played the way he played, you're looking at more of like a three-wins-above-replacement type effort. So you can potentially if he keeps it up and plays a full type season you can add another couple of wins to that projection so then if a few of those bounce the right way you're you're looking more towards kind of a similar record to last year to be honest like a 77 and 85 but then there there are players yet unsigned like if you add a castellanos you can take away the playing time from you know austin slater and give it to a guy who's like a two to three win player and then all of a sudden you know, you're trending towards more 500 as opposed to a 90 lost team. But that assumes a lot of things going right. So I'm not saying we should be doing that. But I'm just saying there is reason for optimism on some of these guys. It's not like you're just relying on bad players. I think there are players that provide the upside that the Giants are looking for. That being said, last thing I'll say on this topic is that these projections that, you know, factor into that 72 and 90 record Include some bounce back seasons from some guys who I might take the under on. So as much as we can just act as if some guys might help them, I'm thinking some guys might hurt them. So this includes Posey having a 3.3 war season, fueled by a 17% improvement in offensive output, plus a little more playing time. It also has Brandon Belt coming back to being a two war player after he was worth just half a win above replacement last season. But I do buy that a little bit because he was at least two war every year since 2015 before crashing down to earth a little bit in 2019. Also projected as a bounce back for Brandon Crawford to being roughly a league average player at 1.7 wins above replacement, up a lot from last year's 0.4. Like Belt, it was a big step back after at least being league average at about two war for every season basically since his first full year in 2012. So as much as we criticize, you know, the posies and belts and Crawfords of the world, even Evan Longoria, these guys provide a nice floor. Didn't really happen in 2019, but, you know, these guys should be at least average major leaguers, and that that helps if you're trying to not be the worst team in baseball. Because to me, like, the worst teams, they don't have that floor. They have their floor at every position is, like, negative – value, considering they're not established major leaguers. So anyway, hope that made sense. I'm just, I find myself being more optimistic about the 2020 team than most people. I feel like most people are expecting just awful baseball, but I think that, you know, they played decently in the last four months of 2019. I don't think the loss of like a Bumgarner is as big of a deal as people have painted it out to be. I think Kevin Gosman could be just as good, if not better than Bumgarner in 2020, I like Tyler Anderson, and I just think there's upside in Yastrzemski, Dickerson, Dubon, Jalen Davis. I think they'll add a corner outfielder. Belt, Posey, Crawford, Longoria provide a floor of talent. I also think there's more talent in the bullpen than people give them credit for. So I guess we shall see. Anyway, remember, to get this show every single weekday, you need to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspic. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Kaspik. If you like this show, please consider rating it, leaving a review, and telling your friends and family to check us out. I cannot wait to be with you again tomorrow. And until then, we'll see you next time.